we've gone for uh, careless talk. Careless talk. Uh, yeah, we're going for that at the moment, aren't we? That's the working title. I like that. Of project, project <laughs> podcast. Uh, have you ever done it? No. Wait, neither of us have ever done it. We best go do it. <laughs> this could be like perhaps, yeah, perhaps this winter. Yeah, Phil, we should at least try it. Hello, uh, welcome to the Careless Talk Climbing Podcast. My name's Sam Pryor. Um, over lockdown, like many of us, I got pretty bored uh, and I came up with the idea of starting a podcast. Um, but then life happened, um, the lockdown ended, uh, we all got much busier again and I had a little bit of self-doubt that maybe no one would want to listen to my podcast anyway, so I canned it. Um but I've kind of chatted about it with a few people. And when I spoke about it with Aidan in Switzerland, he seemed pretty keen to uh, get on board and maybe co-host it, uh, which works out great for me. Um, because if it sucks and nobody listens to it, then it's not only my fault. So at least uh, I can protect my ego by claiming that Aidan ruined it. But he actually makes a fantastic uh, co-host because he's not only... Uh, a world-class climber, so giving us a little bit more extra credence on that score. Uh, but he's also incredibly considered. Um, he's very introspective, and he has some pretty interesting takes on uh, climbing and the climbing world, uh, which you'll get to hear in this interview. So session zero is me interviewing Aidan, essentially, uh, partly to see if we could make the sounds work and see if I could edit a thing, um, but also because he's just a really interesting guy to talk to. Um, we chatted for hours. Uh, I initially thought I'd have to edit out a lot of it, but when I listened uh, listened to it back, I, I quite liked it. Um, so I'm going to leave most of it in. Um, some of it I've had to take out because uh, Aiden spoke uh, at the same volume as a small mouse. Um, but the vast majority is still in, uh, so I've had to split it into two parts. Uh, the first part, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, how Aiden first got into climbing uh, and his comp career, uh, his relatively speaking ill-fated comp career, sorry Aiden, uh, and then talk about how he converted from that into being a phenomenal rock climber. Um, and before the end of part one, you'll get to hear, does Aiden consider Aiden to be a world-class climber? Uh, so thanks for listening. Uh, hope you managed to get through uh, get through the whole thing. Uh, please bear with me. Um, I've never really edited anything before, which is perhaps a uh, a worrying portent for the quality of this podcast. Um, so I'm going to jump straight in because then I don't have to try and do anything clever. All right. Cheers for listening. Very early days. This will be uh, podcast zero, we're deciding to call it because uh, we haven't got a guest. Um <laughs> We don't even really have a name, uh, and we don't have any listeners either. So. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good start. <laughs> very, very session zero. Aiden's someone who doesn't really need that much of an introduction, uh, although that is always something that people say and then follow it with an introduction. But I haven't prepared one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, lakes-based hard boulderer, I guess. Yeah, I think Rock that's climber. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so let's get into that. Let's yeah. talk to you about climbing. Um, 
the first thing I kind of wanted to talk to you about was what life was like to you, for you before you started climbing. Before I like really committed to climbing, I always loved sport, loved time outside. Which sport? Sport? What did you do? Uh, I kind of just tried everything that was presented to me. So like, if it was like tennis at school or like orienteering, I did a lot of fell running actually. Even when I started climbing, um, I still really enjoyed fell running um, and continued that through until. I exploded, <laughs> exploded my foot. <laughs> when when you started talking about like sports, like, oh yeah, what what sports do you do? You start with tennis, which seems so conventional, and then we move straight to orienteering. <laughs> yeah, when um, I was like when I was really young, I used to love that. <laughs> right, okay, I was expecting like football, rugby, hockey. Oh, I did play those as well. Okay, like, yeah, or... but they fell away to orienteering. Oh well, the thrills. I was gonna say to be fair, that's a bad place to start. Definitely, mostly running. And then right. orienteering was a good way in which, like, that was something I was pretty good at because I liked the running, but then I could just read a map. So, like, there were plenty of runners that just, like, never bothered to... Li- I, like, excelled at that because mo- most other people just couldn't be bothered to oh, read right. a map properly. So, <laughs> that's that good. Uh, but, no, basically, I always enjoyed sport. Started climbing. Came yeah. quite naturally to me. And... Uh, yeah, I just loved it. Even outside of... Because one of the things which is great about climbing is the community. But I kind of started climbing by myself, mostly. Um, or, like, most of my sessions were by myself. Which... How how did you get into it by yourself? So, yeah. Uh, when I first got into it, it was more just a small classic story. Small climbing wall opened up locally. Uh, started going and really enjoyed it so initially was climbing with people who would like give me advice to start with but then once I could climb unsupervised age 14 or something I'd just go after school and just like oh right okay yeah to the same climbing wall over what, what, what was the wall? Uh, Ambleside Climbing Wall is it still there? yes I think so I haven't been in years even though it's just down the road it's very small Oh, but still, yeah, <laughs> still worked. started there. Yeah, it worked out, didn't it? <laughs> uh, and when when did at what point did you realise? Wait a minute, sod orienteering. This this <laughs> is the small for me. Yeah, why did I start orienteering? That sucks. Ah, <laughs> 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 um, oh, when did it? I don't know if I really made an active decision. There was definitely times where like. Playing rugby, I quite enjoyed. I didn't grow when everyone else did, so I was suddenly really small. Would go into tackles with equal tenacity and just get bashed about. And so, like at that point, I was like, "Oh, now I can't climb because I'm sore from this." And I was like, "Well, I'm going to stop doing this and just focus on climbing." Um, and so there was like very physical things which were like at detriment to the climbing, which I enjoyed more. Which like gradually, I just shed those sports. Um, but I'm just trying to think when I really, it was from quite early on, I realized that like, this was something that like, I really enjoyed, was quite good at and yeah, felt like I felt quite natural to prioritize. So you were quite good at it right from the start. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, I think, I think so. Like, I think it was definitely something which came quite naturally. Um, I always like, well, I liked climbing trees as a kid. And so 
maybe that was some foundation for like <laughs> natural movement but yeah like from the get I improved quite quickly in my like early climbing years um, and got into competitions quite soon and probably peaked within like five years of climbing <laughs> so, so how how did you get into competitions in the first place uh, I think it was some people noticed that I was quite good and so I like, just recommended that I tried competitions out um, and gradually as I did so I like was introduced to quite a fun community like the people in competitive climbing I really liked and it was also just like I like it's quite isolated where I grew up in the lake so this was somewhere where I'd go and there'd just be like loads of people my age and got to know people who were like really nice and kind of I'd maybe heard a lot of just from like climbing I actually don't really know I didn't really even have social media. I don't really know how I knew all about these. Magazines. Be... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was magazines. Word of mouth, <laughs> Word of mouth. But yeah, like, people like Jim Pope, Molly Thompson-Smith, like, people who are all my mates now. Like, at the time, I was like, wow, these are, like, the pinnacle of climbing performance. And suddenly, I'd go to these competitions, and I'd be trying the same climbs as them. And I was like... At the time, I was a bit starstruck. Oh, wow. So you, you knew of, like, Jim and Molly and stuff before you... Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder... Yeah, that is a good question as to how you would have... It would have been just word of mouth, I guess. Yeah, I think word of mouth and then also just probably looking at, at like, previous comp results and mm. uh, seeing who was... Who I was up against. <laughs> were, were you and Jim in the same age category? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All, all the way. Did you... When you first started going, did you get battered? Uh, so I probably... The first couple of competitions, I didn't do great to be... Ex- well, I didn't do too badly. My first like proper competition series was that YCS Youth Climbing Series. And it's kind of spread over a year. You have three qualifying events. Uh, and then the final, which I did actually win... Billy was in my category at that point. Actually. Oh, quite a stacked category then, really. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was quite good. But that was a mix of boulder and lead climbing. Uh, was it top rope or something on in YCS? Or was that uh, only in the younger category? Okay, once was, you get yeah, older yeah. and cooler, you're allowed <laughs> I was to. A big boy, that you're point. allowed to clip. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, yeah, and then the end of that year, I really struggled to remember what year that was. Uh, I then got onto the youth, uh, GB youth bouldering team, and then following year started doing the internationals which was so this is in back in these days that's how you got on to the gb youth team was it you smash it at ycs uh no it was no that kind of like got you noticed by like the selection management right and, but you had to there was like individual like youth um youth bouldering cups where like all of the team were there and like there was usually a cut off to qualify you um and yeah, it was later on that year that I won one of those events. And when you first started, was that still the old style of competition where it was, you know, some PE uh, entreprise, spider webs and some uh, crimps and yeah, some it was actually yeah the one I the one I won was all EP hold. <laughs> so so you, potentially you did peak in this era. Because I imagine your climbing, uh, your competition career would have lasted a little bit longer if it was all 
PE oh, yarding. Uh, well, yeah, I think, yeah, that is actually a good point. And the following year was in Tanash, like, I was when I won my first and only ever international comp. It's when I won that European Youth Bouldering Championships. And the final climb was just on, like, static moves between in-cut crimps <laughs> and at the time i never realized that that was a stylish i think it's just like broadened that uh, niche <laughs> oh, so that was when you realized this is this is the good stuff yeah i think like what i began to notice the disparity between like uh, i think after that competition i went to switzerland and i noticed the disparity between how hard I could climb in Switzerland comparatively to Fontainebleau and I was like right. ah there's a little imbalance here but I never did all that much to change that I don't think. <laughs> yeah but then that's another way of looking at it isn't it because you can just double down on your strengths when it comes to rock climbing yeah for sure definitely like if you want to get a string of hard ascents to your name you don't need to be rounded yeah that's... you actually probably it's probably a detriment yeah. to try and be a fully balanced climb. You're probably sure. better off just picking one and then going around doing all those boulders. Uh, yeah, t- definitely. Yeah. Uh, and in, in, like, in a slightly related point, have you been back to Font much since then? Uh, I've had a few trips, yeah. I did definitely get better uh, after like just realising that training your body was useful. Well, actually, I'm just trying to think. So I had a couple of trips to Font second of which lasted half a day and then yeah, that's... <laughs> destroyed my foot falling off a famous high ball called Watchtower in Cuvier Empire and that I had like four months of no climbing shoots <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that was like a lot of upper body training which probably actually was great for when I then did go back to Font and had a bit more beef um, <laughs> before that I was very much like a technical uh i lacked a lot of power i was like good on small holds but definitely spent time finding good sequences and was not necessarily very strong yeah i've heard i I've actually i've heard this second hand that you say that you got strong after then but hadn't you already been to magic word by this point yeah 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 so i'm pretty sure i saw a video of you when you were a teenager on new baseline and you looked unreally shredded for a 17-year-old. No, that was actually... That, that was an irresponsible trip. So basically, up, up until about a week before that trip, I was still climbing in a moon boot. Like, I still hadn't had a Oh, so that trip. was after. That was after. So that was, like, after my, like, four months of campusing, pull-ups, fingerboarding, just, like, non-stop. Oh. Uh, but I didn't really know how to use my feet very well at that point. It was quite interesting that time. I was suddenly like uh, a climber plonk in it, like a much stronger body, but didn't really know how to use it that well. Uh, but yeah, that was, I had been to Magic Wood before then, but I hadn't tried a uh, new baseline at that point. Uh, it was the year, that was when I did Steppenwolf the first time I went, but it was the following year that I went back and was trying a new baseline. Nice. Yeah, because... You did just seem like you you put on a lot you you appeared to have put on a lot of muscle. Yeah. For such a young chap. Yeah. How did you do this? What's the <laughs> just asking for a friend? <laughs> I trained a lot. Like as in like I was really I've seen pictures before I injured my foot. 
and like sure genetics will play a point in, like a role in how well you can put on muscle I feel like I can put muscle on relatively easy now but perhaps timing but also like the volume of training I did in that period was probably like one of the highest it's ever been I trained so much I think I was at the point where my body was a bit unbreakable I was like very motivated by competitions I had like tunnel vision for the youth world championships at the end of that season uh, I didn't actually end up going there was a mistake in team selection they thought I was pre-selected but I wasn't um, <laughs> a whole different avenue <laughs> of conversation but um, but uh, yeah I ended up not doing that competition but at the time I was really motivated by competitions and I like poured so much energy and I would say actually strangely at that time Perhaps something I think more generally. I'd have said I had quite an unhealthy relationship with my training. Lots of the time, like, I was just forcing myself to do it, but despite not enjoying it. Perhaps predictably, like, I literally was just, like, tr- sole, I had, like, months of solely training by myself in my training room on a fingerboard, doing pull-ups, doing rings. Like, I didn't have a coach at that point. I was just doing it myself and, like... Um, yeah an obscene amount of volume and I think a lot of that time I really didn't enjoy doing it but it was kind of I feel like a time where I probably made one of like some of the most like developed like the largest probably the time where I developed most rapidly at that point but I definitely didn't enjoy the process which is like a very like this very romanticized idea that you just like train really hard you love train like you just love climbing and like it's not a pain because like uh you just love the process of doing it which i don't think is always entirely true sure i now actually do really enjoy training but there's equally times where i'm really tired and don't really want to train but i make myself do it because i find the process of progression very rewarding but back then when you're so quickly, how how much training were you doing? Was this like triple session days or just really long single uh, sessions? Long double sessions, like maybe I actually probably was doing like I'm just trying to think how many hours a week I was doing. It was probably like uh, upwards of like twenty five thirty hours a week. It was like quite a lot. Of, yeah, it's a lot of training. Yeah, that is a huge that is a huge amount. And how old were you roughly then? 16, 17. Yeah, this is the good bit, isn't it? Cuz like we've got you know every training room in the country has a big sign up being like Dave and step foot in here. <laughs> Let until, <him> <laughs> yeah, until until you're 18, lest you shatter your growth plates. Yeah. So like how and then and then here we are, you know, and and and, and you attribute all that heavy training when you're 16 to such a to such progress but did it your fingers kind of were able to put up with that load yeah I think like you've just I I would never train anywhere near that amount now I definitely would break <laughs> but um yeah I seem to and uh, so much of that volume was focused on my fingers as well I think like I was probably looking back quite fortunate that nothing went too badly wrong but I definitely made a lot of progression um yeah but like i say probably i mean it worked out i probably got lucky that 
probably be many cases of people who could try the same thing and it not work out so well. <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely the time for a don't try this at home kids. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> you really wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, I think I did. think if you get away with it, you get away with it. But if if you had got injured there because it's this thing with, with kids isn't it it's like you can get like an avulsion fracture it can actually if you do a tendon it can actually rip a bit of bone off them yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then you're in then you're in big trouble and because because your growth plates aren't like fully uh yeah. calcified yeah this is a really good time to say yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. really a bad so, so definitely definitely don't do that but here's someone who did do that and got really strong Damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those stories of cryptocurrency and nfts where like people make millions but most people don't <laughs> yeah i mean that that is a hell of a side um uh i i myself lost uh a small amount of money in <laughs> cryptocurrencies. Um, At least you limited yourself to a small amount. Yeah. <laughs> there, was a, there was a really good thing about that, actually. Um, uh, do you know the Wolf of Wall Street guy, Jordan Belfort? Yes. So, like, obviously not a guy to copy or emulate either. But, but he said about cryptocurrency, which is just basically, like, at the point that, that all you guys know about it, it's too late. Uh, and it, and he had this realization when like this guy came in to fix his TV, which seems a bit archaic, but there he was <laughs> fixing his TV. And he said to him, "Should I invest in cryptocurrency?" And that was the point that he was like, "It's too late. Mm. I'm not getting involved in cryptocurrency at all." Um, mm. Yeah, and uh, we're actually in, enjoying a bit of a uh, cryptocurrency crash. Are we? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I couldn't say I've been living under a rock, but I'm almost glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're just the sort of person you can say, quite literally, you've been living under a rock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite relevant. <laughs> but yeah, moving away from financial advice, um, don't get involved in cryptocurrencies and NFTs. Yeah. Um, just go back a little bit to what you were saying there about how you didn't maybe we should do an nft for the podcast (laughs) (laughs) i'm looking looking to do that um uh, no you were saying you were training really really hard but you weren't enjoying it how how did you have that much drive at 16 what was it you were looking for i've always been actually yeah this ties into a way which like even through climbing like or sports-based performance and academic I've always been really precise with goal setting my dad is a management consultant and would often help a lot with this and I found it would be very helpful for maintaining motivation so motivation is something I've never lacked and uh, I kind of never realized it's not such a standard thing to do at the time but would often like when I say precise it'd be like I'd get an A1 piece of paper right exactly where I want to be like a result the way we'd um, describe it is result reality response in that order so like really view where I would like to be um, really analyze where I am and have to bridge that gap essentially and it would be like incredibly precise Um, so it was often like uh, I'd like really uh, these goals would be like I'd really have like a strategy of how to get there so I'd be like holding myself I'd analyse beforehand whether I 
it was something I wanted to put so much energy into. So I knew what I was signing up for. Uh, and actually lots of the time, I'd say most of the time it did work out. So I kind of like knew what I was signing up for in doing it. Uh, and I kind of made that decision before going through that process. Um, and it's quite an interesting one actually, because it's very easy to prescribe goals when you're doing competitions. Outside, it's much more like self-determined because there's no like end date like a competition is very much like you do this well on this exact day uh whereas like climbing outside obviously there's problems you want to do but they're timeless <laughs> yeah okay so this is the one that people like often find it quite easy to to admit that they have big goals what they're sometimes cagey about is exactly what those goals were yeah can you remember what your goals were then most yeah one of the really the probably most memorable one of like my early climbing was getting on the gb team i'm trying to remember which goal it was i set. i think it was after that point one of the responses to trying to get to my result anyway was building a home board so like literally like converting a stable and at the time i was really young it's amazing to have that but it was too hard to get to climbing walls like five or six days a week however much I was climbing because um, it's there's like transport systems are quite hard in the lakes if you can't rely on parents to give you lifts and I was a child of three so they were busy enough yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> so like to the point where like yeah I built that training room which was incredibly influential in my climbing but yeah I took it quite seriously um, so it was like it never I never felt like motivation was too much of a limiting factor but I think a lot of it was down to that I was very driven towards very specific goals yeah and see that I don't actually find that quite surprising because you you seem quite chilled out about that sort of thing now but is that the case or do you still have goals that you work towards I think I've definitely chilled out a lot more about it now that I'm not doing competitions, mm. which I think is a really, I think with actually the intensity of competitions is actually something I didn't like that much um, and is something which like, uh, you don't really get so much outside. There's none of that like intense time pressure, which like, you'd, I kind of would have thought it would really have slowed my progression, but. I actually find the training for the outs climbing outside and climbing outside so enjoyable that motivation is almost easier. I don't have to like, um, I don't really have to like commit to something that I know is going to be grueling beforehand because I know I kind of enjoy the like outdoor specific training and climbing outside. So I feel like I don't, it doesn't hinder me at all, but the goal setting need to be a little less precise in that I don't have a cut-off day. Yeah, it's just crazy to me that at some point, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a there was an Aiden who's looking himself in the mirror and thinking, primarily, Aiden Roberts, comp climber. Oh, yeah. For, like, <laughs> when I was growing, like, I'd say until... Uh, even, so, my gap year, 2018, I was, like super set on the bouldering world cup tour uh, and i was like just focusing on bouldering world cups 
and then in the middle of it had a long trip to Rocklands. I was very much an opportunist at that point. People asking if I wanted to go places, I very rarely said no. So that was kind of like the first, I trained that entire year just for the World Cup season and then like hadn't done that well at the World Cup season. I had one decent result, I think I came 18th or something, which like... I mean, that is a decent result, to be fair, it's a semi-final, isn't it? That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's not bad. Which, yeah, but like, it never felt like I'd done as well as I felt I could have. Um, what was your goal at the time? Uh, my goal, I think, was top 10. To finish, to get a top 10 performance or to finish overall top 10? Get a top 10 performance. Okay, um, so... You set that goal at the start before the whole series? Before the whole season, yeah. Before the whole season. And how many World Cups did you do? Five. Okay. And it was quite interesting. I progressed in rank every single competition. Oh, so you are. See, so that's a bit... Because I'm really interested... One of the things I'm really fascinated in is how when things don't go well, people react... But this would insulate you from that because presumably your first one was quite bad then. Yeah, I had a completely linear but progression in terms of yeah, yeah, you've had a progression every time. So like you've got something to help you through because you can see the progression. But yeah. the very first World Cup you did then, this would be first senior World Cup. Yeah. Right. Um, where was that? In Maringen in Switzerland. Okay. And, and where did you come roughly? Ooh. I will have been like, maybe low for 30 like 38 or something okay and did you take that as like okay first go that's fine or was we surely going into that hoping to be a bit closer to that top yeah. 10 goal oh actually maybe i wasn't that bad i'm trying to i can't remember all my results these days but i remember at that point looking at the boulders like i remember feeling like i climbed terribly and i remember I remember being able to visualise myself being able to do those boulders and seeing the cutoff for semi-finals and being like, oh, actually, like, I don't even... I'd have to climb quite well to do that, but I wouldn't have to climb my best kind of thing. Like, climbing my best, I could have seen doing these boulders. And, like, mm. uh, it didn't feel unattainable. Throughout all of that season, that the game in of that felt like a competition in not messing up for me personally um, I like felt like I never really climbed as well as I could have um, which is probably the case for anyone ever who doesn't win yeah exactly <laughs> like every time you ever hear anybody who didn't get the result they want in a competition they're always like a move away or like yeah. you know or just like if I just matched that last hold for the second because unfortunately that's e almost everybody isn't it everybody's yeah, yeah. like everyone's close yeah yeah exactly because I, mean, I, I, I didn't do any kind of uh, competitions at that level but the competitions I did do you were always close to doing something way better because yeah, everybody yeah. is there. oh yeah always. if you just like held that one hold a bit better then you would have like jumped up six places because everyone's in the same boat yeah 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 um, no, for sure but it was actually after all those competitions I had that big trip to Rocklands and I hadn't or I almost like hadn't thought about it in terms of like when I was preparing because I was just looking at these competitions went to Rocklands having done loads of training 
realistically, I've done a lot of training on a board, which I don't know why I focus on so much for competitions, but prepared me well for Rocklands. And then suddenly I climbed really well out there. That was kind of like my first like really like long trip. And I far exceeded my expectations. I've gone from like being frustrated at not climbing very well to like suddenly climbing better than I thought I would. Um, and the thing that was really amazing is like, I, I loved that lifestyle. I enjoyed it so much more. Competitions are stressful. Yeah. You travel relentlessly. The people are really nice. I met some amazing people, went to some amazing places. But spending a load of time in Rocklands was like, the actual experience was so much more enjoyable for me. And I was so much better at it. I was so much more relaxed. And so it suddenly then I was like, I, had a, I actually had a World Cup just after I got back. Did terribly. Yeah. rather predictably <laughs> I did so badly I was very jet lagged um, but suddenly after that competition I really like I didn't care I was like oh actually I had so much more fun out there in Rocklands um, and I'm I'm sure that realising I was a lot better at climbing outside yeah, that's... played a role uh, I think inevitably there's a thing of confidence there, but I genuinely enjoyed it so much more. And it makes sense in my head, like, perhaps I wouldn't be saying this if I sucked at climbing outside, but I've always loved being outside. I've, like, loved being mm-hmm. in the natural world. Uh, so it felt like it was a much better suit. The following year, I kind of was dual preparing for being in Colorado and climbing out in Rocky Mountain um, and then also doing the World Cup actually got there planning on having the first couple of weeks before the World Cup climbing in gyms didn't touch plastic for that entire yeah. time just climbed outside kind of did the comp as a bit of like a uh, I actually climbed pretty well I felt no pressure at all um, and then yeah kind of that was a real like pivotal point for me in like actually I really understood how much more I preferred climbing outside yeah because that's what I was just interested about is that you say that you kind of realised that you'd had more fun on the rocks when you went back and did that World Cup after your Rocklands trip but so when was the point that you realised that actually the rocks might be a better avenue for you was it when you were in Rocklands doing really well or was it more when you went back to that World Cup and did badly <laughs> yeah. yeah it's actually quite an interesting thought uh, it's very hard to tell I think like so there's a big draw to, I think one of the best things the thing that really draws people to competitions is those moments where there's very rewarding moments where they do have success and like on top of the world very elevated yeah. and like it's an amazing achievement as well and yeah, why was I going with that? I had an idea about that, but I like. I feel like the feeling I got from doing an outdoor climb was comparable to that for me. I felt so yeah. elevated by doing those, and it felt like I had that without all of the stresses. 
and worries of the competitions. So in Rocklands, I think it was like definitely a time. I don't think I was so thoughtful about it at the time. I think very much throughout those years, it was very much just like I was living some amazing experiences and not really thinking too much about like what that meant for the future. Yeah, because I'm kind of interested when you were in Rocklands doing really well, and I'm gonna gonna get you to do something which we're not gonna do too much on this podcast. But a couple of the hard climbs you did that that trip. Gonna need to name a couple of numbers so people know roughly what we're talking about. Uh, so I never. I think before that trip, had I boulded eight B plus? I might have done, but like I maybe done a couple of eight B pluses and then just like um... you slouch. <laughs> just a couple. <laughs> but then I just like <laughs> there was just like suddenly like there was classic climbs which. There's a really, there's a famous one, well maybe it's not so famous, but it's kind of like a test piece called Elephant's Dawn, which yeah. is one of the things I wanted to do most when I was going out there. It's like an eight B plus, but like I thought it was eight C. I think it was originally given eight C. Oh um, right, it's been but, downgraded. Uh, Did yeah. you downgrade it? Is that you? No, I think so. I think it's been downgraded beforehand. <laughs> and so that was something I was like, oh, I'd like to do that this trip. And then I think I did it like third go, and it felt yeah. really. Um, I like at that point I was like, ooh, actually, I'm alright at this gig. Yeah, I mean that's that's <laughs> um, got to feel quite euphoric because presumably you go up there, you weren't, you, you probably thought I was going to be a project. Yeah, no, I yeah. went anticipating. It really. And and there you go, three three goes later, you're you're yeah. still on the top. But did you think, wow, okay, I'm really good at rock climbing, but. <laughs> I'm going to smash that World Cup now because I've unlocked another level of strength. Uh, no. did, you, did you go to that World Cup thinking you're going to do really well? Oh, I actually... Oh, I can't remember if... I don't think I did. <laughs> I think but I think I do remember at the time really thinking it was really nice to be have travelled and be somewhere for a prolonged period of time. I think it was five weeks I had in Rockland's. And you never really get that in competition. You're just all over the world all the time. Yeah. And felt like I never got to appreciate a place. But yeah, did I go into that competition thinking I'd do well? I think maybe, I probably did, yeah. I think the thing that I always thought, at the time when I was doing both outside and competitions, so I think I did, I did Monkey Wedding near the end of that trip. That didn't and, get a name check before. Yeah, I forgot to say that. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That was, yeah. Yeah, that was my first eight Just a bit of mileage. But, <laughs> but like, I remember at the time, it did take me a few sessions. I think maybe it took me three sessions. But at the time, I remember being like, oh, there's so many of these climbers in those World Cups which, like, haven't bouldered. Maybe some, lots of them doing well haven't bouldered 8B+. Lots of them haven't bouldered yeah. 8C. I was like, how are they doing so well? And I rem- always remember being really interested because usually on like the warm-up walls, they're just like boards. And I remember trying like the problems set by some of the people who were making finals consistently. And I was like, these boulders are so easy. And never really understanding, and understanding that. But I think there is like, there's such a skill to competitions which is so like far away from climbing outside. But it is, I do think they are like, two branches of the sports which like are quite distinct and diverging quite strongly so I do think I had a phase where like I felt like I could do both looking back on that now I feel like 
it's hard to really do both. Nobody's really excelling at both. Well, I mean, some of the top comp climbers are kind of excelling at both, aren't they? Like, I, I more think, like, rather than looking at rock climbers that are good at comp climbing, it's easier to look at comp climbers that are, easy, that are good at rock climbing. But, like, yeah. Tomoa flashed that V14, didn't he? And I'm, I'm sure he's pretty good on the old rocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, the level of... Oh, yeah, to be safe. To, Jakob to be... Schubert as well, it's like... The level of some of the top comp boulders these days, like, and that's just the men, isn't it? Because then we got like Yanya, who's yeah, great. Like she yeah. went and did Boobalize and yeah. a few weeks ago. And yeah, and she's I heard really <laughs> close to Jura Jura, apparently. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, yeah, no, that's like... what people are saying anyway. That's I've, I've, I've no, <laughs> I have no authority to say that. I've heard that. Really <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you hear it here first, folks. It's not okay. This talk. <laughs> News exclusive. Uh, <laughs> news, yeah, news on the street. Yeah, no, for sure. I thought. I mean, like, I think more realistically, I was just never really so good at competitions. Whereas, or like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think, I think that's that's very very safe to say. Like, it's also probably fair to say. Um, <laughs> I should see how you react to this. But in comparison to your rock climbing ability, you were really pretty rubbish at competitions. Oh, yeah. In comparison. <laughs> <laughs> because like when you did well in competitions, it tends to be when those boulders came up that you could show some of that rock strength. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, yeah no, for sure. I think, I think perhaps the style in which I've trained, like my home training wall where I definitely spent the majority of my time training uh, somewhat reflects the outdoor climbing around me which mm. essentially small holds body tension kind of thing which like so I feel like that's just like an avenue I somewhat excel at but the disparity between what I'm good at and the competition style is massive <laughs> but here's another thing because uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of an out here because Yes. Climbers bang climbers bang on about skin all the time and yet I still think it's still undervalued as what differentiates people, particularly on plastic. Because am I right in saying you've got quite dry skin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because dry skin. And we all know people because I really struggle with dry skin as well. Like I got glass skin from time to time. Mm. And that on PU particularly, polyurethane absolute right off oh it sucks yeah yeah sweaty skin people hate dry skin people talking about this. yeah yeah because, because i think i've always thought that we get we get it back because i my skin is really really good on fiberglass oh, okay, so fiberglass yeah. volumes i'm really good on comparatively because i feel like my skin grips them yeah, yeah my dry skin just sort of grips into them but so there is like a there's an alternative but I felt for me that was when the comps that I did stopped being fun really was when polyurethane became dominated dominated and I'm really bad on polyurethane and so I but I I didn't mind being really bad on like a slab because I'm not a good slab climber so that's like fair enough but I always and I still do feel very frustrated if I feel it's something that's outside of my control and polyurethane like some of those holds just impossible yeah, I I would really like to take that out at that little avenue, but I also <laughs> think probably a bit early on than that, 
is when I really fell short when macros became such a big thing like mm. big shapes uh, generally I've always been much better like on small holds like the whole time and quite early on in my climbing I think they came into youth comps a little after them. they came into like senior comps you mm. don't see that many like really small holds um, no I mean these days and if you do they'll still be like a style which does not mimic rocks so strongly like they'll be like very very dynamic which sure you do get on rocks but like yeah it, it's funny I always thought there is like a big space in comps to have a little bit more of that style Oh, and, I don't think so. and I don't know if that's because that's also the style that I like, albeit to a lower level. Um, but it is underrepresented. And I know that setters say that it's harder to split, like really good climbers, it's hard to split them on pure power boulders. I don't believe that at all. But I don't believe it either. <laughs> this is the thing, this is what, this is the lie that I think is being told to me. There's such a big disparity in how strong Exactly. Yeah. There are some comp climbers who are phenomenal comp climbers who cannot climb a, like, V14, 8, B plus crimp boulder. Yeah. Like, sure. no way. Um, but they don't need to. That, that, so that bit's not really being tested. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, they do feel like, yeah, I do feel like um, they don't translate so directly. Yeah, it's also, it's, it's just easier for the setters, isn't it? If you if you make a move that's really droppable, you will split the field. You will split the field, even if it's like a relatively easy boulder. Yeah. As long as you get a split, you know, they do it in different numbers, Yeah. then yeah. you've done your job, haven't you? Successful, yeah. Um, because I can only imagine the fear that I would have as a root setter having set my like really hard ratty crimp power boulder the fear I would have of just watching a train of climbers just flashing it <laughs> yeah or nobody doing it <laughs> yeah like if you don't get any split you've totally failed yeah you have one job but okay so that was your was that your first proper series uh, season sorry doing the world cups yeah the one i yeah the time i went to rockland did you just do one more full season uh no i only did the one full season and then i did two competitions the following year and then didn't do any more oh right so those those two competitions were they both in salt lake uh or no, America so wait, the first, the first season I did all of them. The yeah. second season I did Meringen in Switzerland and then Vail in Colorado. Oh, it was Vail then, wasn't it? Yeah. It's Salt Lake now. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It was Vail. Oh, it's a shame that was always the best event. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did well at, in, in those ones, didn't you? The American ones you did quite well at. Yeah, Vail was famously more powerful as well. Um, usually had more basic climbs. Um, mm. Yeah, I like that event. Yeah, yeah. And was that was that your last one then? Yeah. Yeah. And you did quite well? Uh, that one, I climbed quite well on. Actually, the last comp, like the last one I did, I can't I think I was one place out of semis. It wasn't my best result. But that was the time when I'd just been climbing outside beforehand. Yeah. And actually, I remember... Because traditionally I haven't been I haven't been so good on like technical slab climbs, but there was like a couple of 
hard technical climbs, which were on small holds. Uh, I'd just been climbing outside, and I was actually climbing quite well, like technically, just from being on rock. And there was a powerful climb on volumes, which I did awfully at. There was a jump, which was quite easy, and I got nowhere near. <laughs> but like the actual, like there was a hard slab, but it was on holds. Uh, like you're actually crimping things, but it was that was like the boulder which split most people, which I actually climbed much better at. I think partly because it was on holds, but partly I was really relaxed as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was just looking forward to the next outdoor climbing session. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah, no, a real like, yeah, it became quite obvious to me quite quickly that climbing outside was definitely the direction I was heading in. But saying that, I still even, st- still even like in, um, before the lockdown, I was p- still planning on doing competitions alongside climbing outside. Yeah. Yeah, so you really had, you had quite an easy um, transition out of comp climbing, didn't you really? Because you were having such a good time on the rocks, doing yeah. really well on the rocks. It was very much a positive alternative. Yeah, and then, and you also, you didn't have like a string of terrible performances which kind of forced you out and then you got dropped. Yeah, yeah. Like, no. you were able to leave on your own terms. It was very much like a choice, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they were, they, they were still happy for you to go to the World Cups the following year. Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. I actually, yeah, stopped. Um, yeah, I actually... There was never a time when I was kicked off the team. It was like, it was, yeah, a decision that I got to make, which was nice. <laughs> yeah, that's, I would say that's probably comparatively pretty rare. I imagine most people, I mean, like, you might get the kind of final say of, okay, I'm not going to do any more, but it's pretty obvious to everybody that you're not really at the level anymore. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. like comparatively rare, I would say, to kind of give it up voluntarily yeah yeah I guess so uh, so there was multiple things if we're talking about why I stopped competing there were multiple things which uh, kind of led to that decision partly the appeal of climbing outside but there was definitely parts of competitions which I didn't like or maybe not competitions but part of myself which competitions uh presented to me which i didn't like uh very much like the i did like the you go into a competition looking to get the best result you can and generally that's most most people's primarily prime primary goal maybe maybe i say this from like an extremely selfish competitor but i feel like that's what most people go into competition as to get the best result and often that is at the detriment of well no it doesn't have to be but often you will wish ill upon your friends and fellow competitors on the climbing wall because it will make your result better and it was a part of me which I really didn't like I think one of the things which I really like about climbing outside is there is no need for any competition at all and like I would always want my friend to do the best they could. But in a competition where suddenly you're like, you're in finals if they drop this boulder, suddenly you're like, oh, well, I'm here to make finals. So, Yeah. 
fall off and then you end up celebrating when a friend falls yeah like, I, I, I say, I'm, like, I'm so glad to hear you say that out loud because it's such the the party line in the competition scene of like oh I really want me to do well obviously but I, I never wish my friends to fall off and I think that's absolutely rubbish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I mean, maybe there's some angels out there, but I really, I think I told myself that a lot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think I said that a lot, yeah, because a, you kind of want to believe that, but... It's a good thing to say, isn't it? But in, in reality, it is a simple game, and if you want to be the one climbing in finals, sometimes you need your mate to fall off, because if... if it's like you don't want him to do badly, but if it comes down to the choice of either he's in finals or you're in finals... Yeah. You want to be in finals. You're there for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like, actually sometimes um, if, if you go down to a competition with someone else, you know, if they make finals and then you don't, you also need to stay and watch the finals yeah. <laughs> that, oh, yeah, for sure. that you're not in. And support, yeah. Yeah, which is like sometimes a bit tricky in itself. Like I've known, I've spoken to some comp climbers and they find it now hard to watch comps if they can't go to them. Oh, like, okay. If there's a World Cup going on and they're not selected or something, they can't even bear to watch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Because they would, you know, feel so jealous for not being there. Yeah. And I think yeah. these same people that are telling me that are also <laughs> telling me they never wished for one of their friends to fall off a boulder. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is kind of sad. Like, I feel like, I don't know, they're kind of, uh, like... I love the social side of climbing and ironically I actually probably do most of my climbing by myself but like I really like the people that climbing has connected me with so it felt a real shame to kind of like uh, yeah. be so polarizing even if it is just on one of those days it's still like uh, an uncomfortable like tension um, but yeah it was like a side of myself which I didn't really, I wasn't very proud of at all. Um, and it's something which, like, is totally irrelevant when climbing outside. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of definitely something that pushed me away from competitions, I think. So, like, I know, I know sort of climbing outside is inherently not competitive, but I've seen a lot of people get really competitive outside as well. Are they competition climbers? Um, yes, to be fair. Actually, the people I'm thinking of are competition climbers. Because I also feel that when I was a competition climber, both in training and climbing outside, I'd feel far more competitive. Mm. Whereas now, like, if I'm rational about it, when I'm training or when I'm, cl like, climbing outside, like the goals the things that i want to do the goals i have are entirely personal to me and like it's kind of me and the rock are like the two parties like involved with that yeah and having people there it's really nice i get to spend time with nice people but whether they do it or whether they don't doesn't affect what i've done and like so i'd only really want them to do as best they could if that makes sense yeah, I and mean, that is the absolutely correct, like, logic. Yeah. Logically, that's absolutely correct. But I do know in reality, sometimes when you're really, really struggling on a move, if your mate comes and cruises <laughs> it, that does not necessarily make you feel good. 
yeah. You may not have experienced this, Aiden, because <laughs> you're more likely to be the guy doing the cruising. But I have witnessed it and I felt it myself. And I'll give an example. Um, when I went to Switzerland in, oh, it must have been 2019-ish, um, the twenty because all trips must have been in twenty nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm glad you weren't gonna just reference some moment in the Swiss trip a few weeks ago. No, no. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't that. No, but it was. I got really, really psyched about training for a new baseline mm. for about uh, a few months before I went out there. Like new baseline was becoming the thing that I wanted to try the most. Uh, and when I got there, I ended up just having the one session on New Base Nine. I had about 40 minutes, I reckon, including the warm-up on New Base Nine, as I discovered that my chubby fingers basically don't go into one of the holds. And I was trying this move for a while, absolutely on the lip. And my very good friend, Francis, was there as well. And, like... She has got a much better shot on new baseline than, than me. Because uh, she, when she pulled on to that move that I've been trying, I don't even remember her warming up. But I remember her effortlessly flashing, like doing that move, first go, that I've been trying for the last 20 minutes, trying to wedge my fingers in there. And that did not make me feel good. <laughs> you weren't, you weren't I... just, you weren't just ecstatic for her achievement. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that was that was my friend showing me a good bit of climbing, but I was not happy for her directly. Aiden, I was more concerned about how my dreams had just been shattered. <laughs> it's quite an interesting distinction whether you're, because you're not, you're more. Are you frustrated with her? in that scenario or are you just frustrated i was i think i was mostly just absolutely brimming with jealousy i think yeah because jealous for her you know she she is really strong as well not taking anything away from her but she also had smaller fingers and i was really jealous (laughs) that she could get more out of that hold uh than i could and i just i really wanted to do that boulder and i had been thinking about it for for quite a long time so it was tough to like accept within such a short period of time that I'm never going to do that boulder. It's yeah. not like something I can train for and go back for. I'm never doing it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> some people with really like big fingers have done it, but they're all capable of climbing a grade, two grades harder. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. Only the really, really strong guys. And I'm not that strong. So there's no way I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, but yeah, watching, watching Francis do it really easily didn't, didn't cheer me up. But I wonder if that, like that, I wonder, I wonder if that situation was more just like, that happening was just an indicator that you weren't doing that boulder and that was the thing that pissed you off as opposed to, oh, can we swear on this podcast? <laughs> pissed yeah. off, not so well. Bad. yeah, I think we can. kind of swear, <laughs> it's, it's inevitably these yeah. words are going to come. I'll, I'll edit out all your C-bombs. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll echo in there, don't worry about that. Um, but um, yeah, more pissed off that that was just an indicator that you couldn't do that climb. And that is sad when you've motivated yourself for something which you're like, I can't, I can't do this. Oh, yeah. As opposed to being like, if you'd done that move a few times but like it wasn't a factor out of your control so it was just like oh like I can do that move but it's hard for me but like 
this boulder is always going to be hard for me. Like, if that was the case, perhaps you'd have not felt the same way. Like, you'd just be like, oh, well, I just need to keep applying myself to this boulder. It's going to be my project anyway. Yeah, like, yeah, no, that's definitely true. But it's just an indicator that it's like, no, this is like, this boulder which I'm motivated for, I'm not doing. Yeah. That's maybe more frustrating. It, it, it's written off. But I do get exactly what you mean. Often, like, there's inevitably some jealousy. I think... Yeah, like, I've definitely, like, felt it, but in more recent years. So this is actually an important point that we should go over. In recent years, we're talking, like, let's do last sort of three, four years tops. Yeah. Have you actually been burnt off to your face? Oh, like, out on rock? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, definitely. Like, I just had, when I was out um out in switzerland so what happened what uh well like there was oh it's how do you how do you define but like so basically i went so i'm looking for a time when you're really struggling on a move and someone else absolutely just smashes it cruises uh there's probably there's a good well i was trying i was basically climbing with climbers from america um sean rabbit who had been trying this project um next to alpha and moon in Kronika. and it's a weird scenario because that had been his project for a while and he'd been trying it like i can't remember since when like for the last few months anyway so he was right at the final stages of doing the climb basically uh and he was very nice to show me the climb and obviously, it's hard to tell because I hadn't really invested much time in it there. But, like, I'd done the moves, but they were hard. Like, they were hard moves. And, like, making links, I didn't, like, the first session, I didn't think I linked more than two moves together. But, like, those, that, that, like, that climb looked really steady for him. Like, he actually just dropped the very top of my first session on there. So I was, like, at that point, I was, like, wow, these are really hard moves. Like, linking this feels, like, so ambitious. And then this guy just like walking through that sequence. But the only thing though is that hadn't he had quite a few sessions on it at this point? How many sessions do you reckon he'd had on it? Yeah, I think he'd had like 25 or 30 or something. Which, yeah, yeah, it's a different. It's, oh, but... See, that, that's, I, I'm not sure I can count that. Okay. Uh, because because he's so deep he, he's deep into a project yeah. and he's also obviously a phenomenal world-class climber so i'm not sure i can count that i'll be more thinking about ones where you were like having a couple of sessions on it and someone else came and did it quickly maybe you were a few sessions deep and someone comes in and does it has this ever happened to you <laughs> oh yeah just, like, just such a common occurrence of most climbing no definitely it will have for sure happened. Let's have, a, let's, have, let's have an example then. I'm just trying to think. <laughs> this would be like, I could reel off so many times this has happened to me. Maybe I just haven't clocked it at the time. I'm sure it will have happened to you. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, it will happen one day. Yeah, yeah it's going to happen for sure. <laughs> so that's so i'm not sure really the genuine feeling of getting completely you know burnt off, burnt yeah. off is something that you really had to deal with a great deal except in competitions i suppose yeah because in competitions there would have been 
blocks that you didn't do that people and then groups. other people did pretty easily yeah yeah oh for sure all the time yeah so you do you will know roughly the emotion but only really through comps which is like a ve- you're in a very different like mm. scenario there I've like but I've definitely had okay burnt off maybe like in the definition we're going for it I can't count many times but in terms of just being out climbed I've definitely like had that like when I have climbed with these people who like or even like trying climbs which I know people have done like I went and tried Burner Dreams last autumn that thing was in a state the current format the format I was in then I had no chance of doing that like I was very far away from doing that so and I knew that like that, that had been had done. done yeah so like it was like at a point there I was like wow like at the moment I'm a level below that climbing achievement and sure like I hadn't put the four years which like now they put into it or something but still I was like right if the conditions were perfect now and I just had sessions on this like I'm not doing this soon (laughs) basically (laughs) okay so like you're kind of being like it's like a the ghost of someone else is burning you off and someone who's been there before and, and, and done it and yeah and, and it's you can't kind of, really imagine it yeah it's kind of like a very different scenario but like I'd say I'd say the nice thing about I, I'm i like very much aware that I'm not the best climber in the world there are people who are better than me and like that's almost not what I'm trying to say in competitions you're trying to prove that you are the best climber that's your goal you're trying to we go to a world cup the did you ever have that to, as your goal to win a world cup no just jerry moffat style to i be, want to be the best climber in the world uh have you read his autobiography comes up quite a lot that statement it's <laughs> 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 like ends most chapters with either that uh, he wants to become he has become or he no longer is the best climber <laughs> in the world. Damn. How <laughs> uh, about being ever my direct goal? I'm sure, like, I've fantasised about that. Probably mostly when I was in competitions. Mm. I think probably less... I don't think so much when I've been climbing outside. Um, I more, like, feel it, like... When I'm climbing outside, it's, like... A thing between me and the boulder problems there. And it's kind of, like you can't really be the best climber in the world when you're climbing outside. Like, you can be the best Mm. on a certain style, for sure. You can, like... Yeah. It's just, like, this... It's, like, immeasurable unless you go and climb every hard boulder out there, which... It's so specific, isn't it? It's, like, you can be the best crimp climber or tension or technical or compression... But they're quite arbitrary. Like it's, it's like, it, it wouldn't really. I can't imagine anyone being the best in every single style. No, no. Um, yeah. Except yeah. perhaps Yanya. Yeah, she's she's <laughs> she's pretty good to be fair. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so it's like it's but it's not. It's human nature to to find ways to compete with people at absolutely everything we do. We like can't help ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but climbing outside just. Everything about it is is trying its hardest not to be competitive, and we're like finding ways to compete anyway. Yeah, yeah, which is quite interesting. Like, 
it's been like a real active effort for me to really rationalize those situations where it's going to be like, I want to do this boulder before this person. I've had it for sure. Like it's like, right. Let's I've, have an example. Uh, well, just like, especially when I was climbing outside or like kind of, uh, when I was doing competitions, but just like I'd go climbing with my friend, Dan, I've done so much climbing with him. Got so much like Which respect. Is this? Uh, very. Okay. Um, so much respect for him but like when we go climbing outside like there'd be like some friendly rivalry never it would never be like it would never be like and compa- I'd always want him to do the climb but it would be like oh but you want to do it first yeah it's a classic yeah. scenario where it might be like oh you're both getting close to a move somebody does it and then the next person does it straight after they like yeah kind of like there's that kind of like rivalry it doesn't feel like too I've I've seen that rivalry being very real as in like people really competitive yeah um and i guess one of the things that i i realized when i wanted to do a podcast was that would i be able to get people to be honest if they if they were feeling really competitive will i get anything else than a kind of like oh no you know i'm not too bothered about it kind of glib response like yeah 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 like if you were competitive would you admit to it I guess the question there. Would I admit to? No, I like climbing on rock. I've definitely been competitive. And I actually think I've mostly been competitive in circles of people who I have competed with. So there's a good mm, example. Yeah, that's classic. Yeah. There's a good example. So like Will Bosey. Yeah. When I was growing up and doing competitions, like he was always like, the best in the youth boulder comps like and I, I won a couple but like when I started winning he was winning too like it was like he'd win sometimes I'd win sometimes but before that like he just won all of them basically um so like I was always like competitive with him I re- I've got I've got so much respect for Will and I think he's probably nowadays he stopped competitions as well and probably physically one of the strongest boulders in the world in my opinion i mean but, i would say like really your lives are still pretty <laughs> intertwined in a sense because he is still your closest direct competitor in a sense like uh, if it was trying to be like right let's if it who was, is the strongest british rock climber i think it would still really be you versus will yeah yeah if if we were going to call that a competition but it's quite Which, an arbitrary title. But. Yeah, but, but people... <laughs> arbitrary is, is is what we do, isn't it? Yeah, people yeah, are true, interested right. as to, like, but who is the strongest? Yeah. And thankfully, it's... You know, we're never going to get a direct answer to that because we're never going to have a, a, a sort of Hueco-style rock-based throwdown between you and Will, are we? Yeah. <laughs> Unless yeah, I can yeah. organise it somehow. Yeah, I mean, like... Yeah, we, yeah might no, but... some deep-pocketed sponsors for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, sure, sure. Just, just a little listening. shout. Out that's something that might interest you. <laughs> but I definitely found, uh, so like I was very used to being competitive with Will, and in more recent times, we'll actually get to that in a bit. Anyway, the bits you want me to admit to, I definitely <laughs> found like so during the so our, before the lockdown, I was planning on doing the competition series in twenty twenty, and then just started climbing outside when competitions were all off and like it was kind of in that time where like I suddenly was like oh yeah 
I'm actually not going to go back to competitions. But during that time, I was maybe still a bit had the mindset of a competitor as well as like spending a lot of time climbing outside. And at that point, like I remember just like hearing of things Will had been doing and like kind of like climbs which he'd done. So there's like bewilderness in Badger Cove. Um, and like kind of like a bunch of like limestone climbs that he'd been doing and I was like oh nice yeah like I'll go see how hard they actually are and I remember like they were things he'd already done so it wasn't like oh yeah like um, uh, like I'm gonna see if I'm better than him like it was like just seeing if I could still compare um and then, like, even when... Actually, there was a really prominent time where I know he went to go and try a new boulder I'd put up called Outliers. Uh, and at the time, I was like, oh, I kind of, like... I remember catching myself, like, being like, oh, I hope he doesn't do it. Oh, interesting. Which, like... So at the time, I was like, oh, is it HC? Like, I don't know. Like, I had, like, a bit of pride about, like, how hard the boulder was. Like, I'd never, like, put up no, I had put up an HC. I'd never, like, developed an HC, like, in the lakes anyway. And, like, in the UK, saying something that HC is quite significant. There's oh, not, massive, yeah. We don't really do... Even grades above 8B are heavily yeah. frowned upon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I remember being like, oh, I hope it's hard. Like, I kind of, like, almost... Maybe that's not a reflection on him. Maybe I was more just proud about, like, not wanting ego damaged by, like being like oh actually yeah here's Aiden's problem I just cruised it like that's fine um and at the time I remember catching myself thinking that and it wasn't like oh I'm like I don't like it wasn't like malicious like, I still would like I explained all the beta to him I think I sent him a video and stuff like it wasn't like with ill intent but I remember at the time having that thought and being a bit like oh yeah that's not so nice I'm still, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still of that mindset and what happened uh, like in his in his yeah, session, did, did he do the boulder? No, no, no. I don't think he did. I think he actually broke a foothold. But um... I'm glad you said foothold there. When you got a smile on your face and you start to say to take, <laughs> he broke. I no, I think he broke a foothold. But um, that was a time when I was like, oh yeah, like actually that is something like. Maybe that was a time where I thought a little bit less about this. But that was something that's a time where I look back on when I was like, Oh, that competitive streak I didn't like so much creeped into creeped out of competitions and it was like really prominent for me. Now I've actually like uh I don't have that feeling so much. Like I actually haven't climbed with Will in a while. But there was Sorry, Will, I'm speaking so much about you right now. But <laughs> I'm actually saying this just because I really respect we'll, we'll, you. But <laughs> we'll, give, we'll give Will an opportunity to come in there. <laughs> we can have some beef. You can but, start a counter-memoir later. No, this story has taken a nice turn because I have since, like, since Will has come up to the lakes and tried some boulders that I've done. So he went to um, Carrickfell a few months ago and was trying, I put up an HC, which I called... Leopold von Pooch. It's like <laughs> that sounds like it's on a boulder and it's like a. There were, so the the stand starts called Leopold von Pooch, right? Like, and I just got my puppy at the time, and the puppy was like sleeping at the bottom of the crack, so I called it Pooch, as in a dog. Um, right. But um, yeah, at the time, like again, that's an HC quite big in 
the UK and nobody had like all the stuff that had developed around the lakes hadn't been tried that much um, uh, and Will hadn't tried much of them and then I remember he said he was coming up and this was actually very recently and it was nice it was nice for myself perhaps again a pride thing but like it was nice for me I was like I was actually genuinely just really like glad that he was coming to try these boulders and it was like a nice it was relaxing for me like it was a nice for me to realize that I actually wanted him to do these climbs and like Will's so capable of doing 8C in a session like even aside from like the pride of how hard these boulders are like it was nice when it was just like thinking about another climber I was like this is somebody I used to compete with but genuinely yeah, you I feel like to you're do well able and, to move past it a bit now yeah which was quite a nice realization so perhaps like that's a nice little round out to the story will i'm so yeah. happy if you do my borders <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> he's also uh he's flashed 8b plus recently yeah which is an amazing feat yeah yeah, yeah. No, you're flashed 8b plus no i haven't actually you've done a few second go is that right yeah yeah. I have a good story about flashing things. I actually don't know if you know this story. Oh. Um, shall I talk about it now? Yeah, yeah, yeah let's have it. Um, recent session. Uh, so this is after, this was, I've been, I've been, just come back from a trip in Switzerland. Um, I was there for like two months. And the middle of the trip, I climbed with Sam there for a bunch. Um I was pretty much just focusing on this new climb, which Sean Rabatou uh, recently did. Probably haven't heard about it yet. It's really hard. <laughs> still, you still have not announced it. Still not announced it. Should we announce it on here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a new nine A in the world. <laughs> our first exclusive. <laughs> yeah, it is our first exclusive. A little bit of inside knowledge. Sean Rabatou did a new boulder next to Alfane Moon, graded nine A. Name Still, to be confirmed. Uh, yeah, um, um, there's yeah. no name. There's no name thus far, but it's really hard. And it's actually amazing. Like, upon first viewing, many people are a bit like, eh, doesn't look like the most incredible line. But it's actually incredible, and every session I had on it was really fun. I'm going on a bit of a talent tangent. Essentially, essentially, I spent about, like, five five or six weeks in the middle of the trip with that as like my main focus I like kind of near the start of that I was switching out and trying other projects as well but then like the last few weeks I was like very much just on that and so kind of like lost all bearings of how well I was climbing but it's a really physical boulder and like turn, turns out it's actually a very good like climbing trainer like I felt like I was getting stronger on it but didn't really realise how that compared to other things. Um, so went to Fiene, a place in like the Swiss Alps, which has a really famous boulder called Foundation's Edge, developed by Dave Graham. Um, anyway, like I just had like an evening and a day there, and on the second day went to try Foundation's Edge. Uh, Daniel had been trying it, um, and actually... Um, I kind of like didn't really have any expectations on that as well he very kindly showed me all the methods it's actually been really refreshing climbing with those guys how like psyched they are that's actually something like I don't feel like any 
competitive. You know, you can kind of sense when people are being competitive. Right, yeah, yeah. The people I climbed with out there who are just like solely professional outdoor climbers was like really nice in that it didn't feel like there was any competition, which was lovely, like, which is maybe a, a thing about outdoor climbing as well. Like, I kind of didn't necessarily expect it that much, but they were super supportive and like, yeah, I guess those guys are all super established at this point as well. It's easier for them not to worry about it. Nobody's trying to prove themselves. Yeah, they're anything. all well proven by this point. Yeah, perhaps that. But anyway, yeah, the... the, the Foundation's Edge. Yeah, Boulder. What is Foundation's Edge? It's an 8C developed by Dave Graham. It's like quite a famous roof. Um, oh, cool. Uh, well, not kind of roof. It's kind of like a steep face anyway. Um, but essentially it was quite pivotal this session for me because... When I was growing up, 8C was the hardest grade in the world for a very long time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in in a sense, it almost still feels like... Pie in the sky. Yeah, because it's also like... it's. The, I think it's the... And you know much more about this than me, so please feel free to correct me. But it feels like the last grade where the, the borders are still pretty clearly defined. Like, mm, there's like a really easy logical progression all the way from, you know, four or two or whatever it is, or whatever, you know, whatever your sort of three-year-old can walk up, um, to 8C. And then after 8C, it starts getting a little bit more blurred because, like, 8C was around for so long as, like, the hardest grade, wasn't it? It's so broad, man. So, so, yeah, there's so many 8Cs and comparatively few 8C pluses. Yeah. And then there's sort of the general feeling that quite a few of these 8Cs are probably... 8C plus. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But no one's kind of gone around and, and upgraded all of them. Likewise, some are maybe 8B plus. And like... Well, yeah, that's <laughs> always the case, yeah. But, yeah. But, but like in climbing, grades get downgraded all the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. one guy comes along and finds it easy, downgrades it, and then bang. Very rare. Done. <laughs> Somebody doesn't do a climb think, oh, I think it's harder, and it gets instantly upgraded. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's only like, I know Adam Andre did a little bit of upgrading, but like... There are very few people who've got the kind of like confidence in themselves <laughs> and like they've done enough at the grade to be like, no, that's too hard. I'm upgrading it. Yeah, like, yeah. But for anybody who is out there doing that, I take my hat off to you. That's Respect. that's yeah, <laughs> massively because it's like putting your ego to one side and and like, no, I, I'm pretty confident that's too hard for that grade. Like. Yeah, good, good for those people. Shout out to those people <laughs> who are just downgrading all my project. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, the Foundation's Edge. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that grade has always felt, like, incredibly ambitious. And, like, to do an 8C is, has never felt like a given. Like, it always f- feels like it would be a significant achievement to do an 8C boulder. Um, and has 8C boulder been flashed? I don't think it has. Not know. as far as I know, but I'm also not really that on top of climbing media. So this is like a interesting thing. The reason I talk about this is I feel like the thing I enjoy most about outdoor climbing, or just maybe just climbing in general, is like pushing my limits to the absolute level and maybe like like pushing myself to my limits and like maybe achieving things I maybe didn't think I could uh, and I've actually honestly never really been that fussed about flashing boulders 
Um, yeah, me neither. I, I've always kind of not really understood why people are that bothered. Yeah, yeah. But, so, but, it, but I, we are bothered. We're supposed to be bothered. Yeah, <laughs> and like I kind of like had this. I think I had this conversation with you in Switzerland. Yeah, it's like I will try. Like I, I'll understand the method and I'll be really precise on the holes to have my first go. But like if I fall off on my first go, I'm never really. I'm never frustrated. Like yeah. it's just like. If you do a boulder first go, nice, you have more energy to do more boulders. That felt kind of Yeah, good. that's the um, main... I think that is the best thing about doing something quickly. Yeah. You can then, that's not a session over, you know. You can you go could, do You could stuff. do something else or you could climb the next day and not need a rest day. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's ideal. Yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the real benefit. So, yeah, I never, like, felt the draw. But anyway, this experience kind of, like... I haven't fully decided so much but like kind of like changed my mind a little bit on it because I think like I do like this feeling of achieving things I once would have thought I could like once I'd have never thought I could um and this kind of applied to flashing boulders in that like uh well anyway this story basically on foundation's edge Daniel gave me all the method I actually didn't really think I didn't know what was the crux and like I kind of like yeah didn't really know that about I didn't know the climb so intricately and I didn't think it suited my style that well I mean it's steep on edges but they're not like small crimps um and anyway yeah I just like kind of just started going through the climb did the bottom section which I think I thought was meant like supposed to be the hard bit but I actually don't think it was anyway then like midway through the sequence i like took a cut which i shouldn't have and like kind of brushed the pad and was like mm. oh, dab but anyway like they were like oh carry on carry on so i was kind of like hanging there a bit indecisive but like carried on and then like kind of just like kind of kept going through this sequence and then you basically the last hard move you like lock off a hold that you've matched uh, and the left hand is like quite slopey but I'd been a bit greedy with my right hand, so I didn't quite have enough space. And you, like, lock up to, like, a good, like, in-cut, like, right-hand tooth. And um, I basically had the left hand slightly badly and, like, kind of went for this move and my left hand dry-fired, but, like, I felt like I could have... I had my hand on the hold. Um, and it really felt like I could have done it, which, like, really surprised me. Mm. And then, like, on my second go, it, like... It felt really steady. Like, I, um, I kind of, like found it really quite easy oh, well actually technically i didn't do the climb the top out was wet and i stacked it off the wet oh. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but so, so avoid avoid like apart from that it was like the, it was amazing for me how achievable it felt to like do that like if you'd asked me a year ago whether i'd ever flash hc i like to be honest if you'd asked me like a month ago if I'd ever flash HC I'd have probably said no like I was pretty sure that wouldn't be possible and then suddenly I was like oh actually like that actually felt quite easy for me and like if I had a bunch of different HCs in that style like I feel like it wouldn't I would like it didn't feel like yeah. I had to climb particularly much well to be able to do that and so like that has kind of been something which like in my head I was now like oh that was something I never thought I could achieve but now I feel like I can so I have like it has got me thinking whether that was something that at some point I'd be quite keen to do uh, it's a bit strange because the thing I don't like about that as a goal is like it suddenly applies pressure 
to climb yeah. that side where I feel like there shouldn't be. But similarly, traveling, uh, like going to 8C climbs with the intention of flashing them. Yeah, it means if, if I, you fall off, then yeah. it feels like a failure. Even if you then did it second go or third go or that session, you'd still feel like it was a failure. Which is That's the downside, but they're probably climbs that I would like to do. And perhaps if I can be... You would stick around. It. Yeah, if yeah. I can be rational about it, I can be like, oh, I didn't do this first go, but I still did this climb in a few sessions and like I'd have probably wanted to do it anyway. Now, perhaps that's a bit idealistic. Well, I'm quite glad that story went the way it did because if if you'd been robbed of a flash just from that dab that you mentioned, yeah. that would have been horrific. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. Was that video? Did anyone have it on camera? Yeah, I think Juliana's got it. Actually, oh. Everyone would have heard about that if you had flashed AC because yeah, we neither of us can think of a time that that's been done. Yeah. Um, when Daniel flashed, was it on on Lynch or and oh, Lynch? yeah, that was AC think... at the time, I think. But I think it's downgraded now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a bit of like climbing specific. Yeah. Yeah, that's. But then you didn't even do the boulder because you stacked up the top. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Went and tried different things after oh. that. But like, definitely, yeah, pivotal for me in terms of confidence. And I've definitely had like, as in, I've never like struggled with confidence when I'm climbing. But I've definitely had an aversion to feeling too confident. Mm. Um, uh, I don't know if that's just because it leads to expectations and when you have expectations like uh it applies yeah it's pressure isn't it mm. expectations of what you could do you you seem always like really cautious to not sound like you think too much of yourself well i was thinking that just then i was just like i've literally just said a story for like about 10 minutes just bigging myself up. No, <laughs> but, quite yeah, awkward but that's it. the thing you haven't at all you've just said like your experience but i can see <laughs> you struggling with like you're like listening to yourself talk and you're like struggling with it as a literal because you are like notoriously difficult to get like if you go up to, to Aiden and ask, you know, like, oh, what have you sent this trip? You are notoriously difficult to actually, you don't like to say what you've done. Like, you don't really like to give a list of hard boulders that you've climbed. And like, yeah. when we were in Switzerland, Orin asked you about three or four times <laughs> in a row what you've done. And you actually didn't say, like, I still don't really know what you did. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe... Yeah, it is a strange one. Like, it's not like I feel like I need to hide the things I've done. Cause, but perhaps for me, it's nice to know that I do things for the right reasons. Mm. And I think definitely in a world so connected by social media, where like Instagram is king, like it's such a common phenomenon that like people despite what they say are just motivated by their reputation and yeah which is inevitable like and i kind of think it's it feels very unhealthy and like just like the pride it doesn't feel like a tr- 
trait which I feel should be celebrated so much. And so for me, I think like not necessarily bigging up the things I do it's kind of confirmation that I do these things because I love doing them. Yeah, it's really and interesting. I'm not motivated by like what it's like. What other people think of it. Basically. Yeah, I don't really like. Obviously, I am to some degree like nobody's void of ego. But like, it's nice for me to know that that's not the reason I do things. So if I don't I mean, tell people about the stuff I do, then like. I know that I'm not doing it for that. If I make sense. There's definitely there's definitely an ego in there, like oh, for sure. I can sense you know you've got some ego somewhere. Oh, I don't think yeah. I've ever known anyone fight so hard with their own ego though. Yeah. <laughs> You're desperate to not let it win, yeah. which is really interesting <laughs> because normally people, if you've got an ego, you just like you know revel in it. But yeah, you're so you do try really hard not to do that. It's like it's like an active process for you. Oh yeah, which I think you've sure. just like admitted. Yeah, which oh, I think sure. is really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'll I'm gonna that. I'm gonna use this as an opportunity to talk to you a bit then. So would you say you are what most people would call you, which is a world class climber? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, world class. And you can't, you can't say on my style or anything. You just have to say, am I hi, a... Aidan Roberts. I'm <laughs> oh, a world-class class climber. Um, uh, okay. I've never really thought of myself like that. But perhaps more recently having climbed with people who are definitely world-class climbers. I haven't felt out of place climbing with them. Yeah. Damn, that's how I was going to try and trap you. <laughs> I thought I thought you might say no, and then I was going to say like, but you've climbed with world class climbers, <laughs> and did you feel like they were burning you off the whole time? Yeah. <laughs> because like I think most people would accept Daniel Woods as a world class climber. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. there you are, on his project. Well, not project. He was trying. I don't know how how many sessions he put in, but and you're doing it really quickly. So that you know by the objective sense of the word it's a burn off that's what that is oh shit yeah I hope you I hope it's alright <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you can handle it no, I've got but, so much time for that guy yeah, but you would you would accept that then like so it's painful for you to admit but you would admit it yeah uh, yeah I, it's weird like yeah okay I wouldn't yeah that's oh, good. I'm so reluctant to say yeah, that. I know. I'd say I wouldn't feel out of place climbing with them, but yeah, I guess... So you yeah. have to then say it then? Yeah. Hi, Aiden Roberts. <laughs> I'm a decent climber. <laughs> oh, you've mitigated it. And you've just no. robbed us of what would have been at least our third podcast exclusive. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, no. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I'd say, I'd say I'm probably these days a world-class climb. Yay! <laughs> yes. You got there. Yeah, why is that so hard? I'm glad, I'm glad to hear you say it. Um, because, yeah, I mean, like, I know you don't like numbers, but you've got, you've achieved enough numbers to easily be in that category. Um, the, the sort of category of world-class is very loosely defined, isn't it? We don't yeah. really say, we don't have a number on it. Like, yeah. we don't say what that is. There's no um, But I think it's, it's just if you're doing, I would I would probably say roughly speaking, it is around that eight C mark, and it's all about 
how many of those sort of boulders that you're doing and how quickly you're doing them. Mm. So I always feel like basically any like strong climber could climb a really, really high number if they put in 30, 40, 50 sessions. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like if you're willing to be like, you know, like Martin Keller, the Swizzy oh, Bouldering yeah, guy, yeah, like, yeah. he is willing to put in Admiral Audacity. Years, <laughs> yeah, years of work. And he will climb some of the hardest boulders in the world. But I would probably not put him in the world-class category because of how long it takes him to do it. So I think there's a combination of like, you have to be, you have to be climbing the top boulders, but you also have to be doing them relatively quickly. Yeah, yeah. I would say that's probably my, if I had to put a criteria on it, it would probably be roughly something like that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, on that bombastic and uh, controversial and perhaps uncalled for classification, um, that's where I've decided to end part one. Uh, please do tune in for when I manage to get part two up, though, because uh, between you and me, I actually think it's the more interesting of the two parts. Didn't tell you that earlier because then I thought you might not listen to this one. Um, but no, next time we get Aiden's views on Burden of Dreams, uh, his view on travel, uh, how to be a more eco-conscious uh, professional rock climber, uh, and a little bit on training, uh, which we're hiding away in case that's the only thing uh, that keeps you listening. Uh, all right. Cheers. <laughs>